Atlanta, New Jersey, online. Uh, I, I want y'all to talk back to the preacher today. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 15 says, When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Guys, I saw something this week I've never seen before. Here it is in verse 16. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Watch this. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. I'm going to say that one more time. Each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. I'm going to stop right there. I want to talk from this subject in our time together. Built for the battle. Built for the battle. I want to ease into this introduction with a question. It's, a, it's not a rhetorical question. It's an important question. It's what we would call a quintessential question. And here's the question. Are there any dreamers in the room? Okay, New Jersey, you wasn't loud enough. Atlanta, you was at a five. You got to go to a 10. I said, are there any dreamers in the room? When I say dreamer, I'm not referring to those who have vision with the eyes in their head. I'm referring to those who have vision with the eyes in their heart. The eyes in our head give us sight, but the eyes in our heart give us vision. The eyes in our head allow us to see our now, but the eyes in our heart allow us to see our next. And I believe there are some people who are online. There are some people who are receiving this revelation right now who are honest enough to admit is the only reason I'm still sane in the membrane is because I'm seeing past what I see in my now. And I'm believing for what's getting ready to happen in my next. Some of you are honest enough to admit, Dr. Darius, if I was just dependent upon what I'm seeing in my natural eyes, I wouldn't be in an emotionally healthy place. I would be distraught. I would be disoriented. I would be confused. I would be discouraged because sometimes what I'm seeing with my eyes doesn't line up with what God said in his word. But I've learned how to stop looking so much with these eyes and start looking with these eyes. Because when I look with the eyes in my head, I'm walking by sight. But when I look with the eyes in my heart, I'm walking by faith. And I came to tell you, it's your season to walk by faith and not by sight. Dreamers. But what if I, what if I, what, what, what if I share something? Well, can I? Let me ask your permission. Can I share something with you about dreams? I don't believe you. I'm not convinced. I said, can I share something with you about dreams? Here it is. Here it is. This is for dreamers only. It's just a question. Now, this is a rhetorical question. It's a question for your reflection. Here it is. Um, what if your dream isn't your dream? 
What if your dream is actually God's dream? I'm going to say it one more time. I want you to sit with it mentally, right? Not, not just respond emotionally. I want you to sit with this mentally. I want you to let God not just work in your heart, but work in your mind with this. I want you to sit with this for a minute. What if your dream isn't your dream? What if your dream is God's dream? See, this distinction is imperative and important because if it's your dream, you will treat it like it's optional. I feel it right here. I said, if it's your dream, you will treat it like it's optional like it's ancillary like it's something you can get around to if you choose to get around to it but there is diff a difference between something that is an optional activity versus something that is your responsibility and some things that are in your heart did not randomly get there. They are not some result of selfish ambition and pride. And I don't even have time to unpack right, and debunk some of our viewpoints on ambition because ambition in and of itself is not evil. Now when your ambition becomes selfish, then it becomes self-destructive. But you can't build anything for anybody without ambition. You can't even become a better person unless you want to. And this is something we need to wrap our head around. God doesn't always give us what we want, but God will give us a want to. And some of the want to's that you have have been given to you by God because he gives you a want to for what he wants for you. And so some of the things you're seeing you're envisioning are not optional activities. They are divine responsibilities. They aren't just things God is letting you do. They are things that God is calling you to and holding you responsible for and I am ooh, what kind of message is this <laughs> and I am telling you that some things you see you need to feel responsible for God's like I'm not just showing you this to show you this God's like I don't tease you I don't I don't expose you to what I don't want to do how can I be a good good father and just expose you to what I don't want to do. That's emotional torture. That's emotional irresponsibility. He said, if I keep bringing this back up in your heart, it's because I'm trying to get you to see I'm getting ready to do something for you. I want to know who received that as a word for them. God says, I keep bringing this back up. You forget about it and I bring it back to your remembrance. You say you're through with it and I bring it back to your remembrance because this is not an optional activity. This is divine responsibility. It's time to build. I'm drinking, drinking my water, Miss Sissy. I'm drinking my water.
And I think an amazing example of what I'm trying to articulate is seen in this story with this gentleman named Nehemiah. Man, what, 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 what an amazing story. And uh, last week we talked a little bit about the concept of exile, and I won't, I won't be able to spend a lot of time unpacking exile today, but, but, but ne Nehemiah is a Hebrew man who had been taken into captivity, stripped away from their homeland, and what these enemies would, would do, the Babylonians would do it, and so the Babylonians... Uh, would do it, and then when Persia conquered Babylonia, they would do it. It was they, when they would conquer a people group, conquer a nation, they'd find the best and the brightest in the nation. And they would take the best and the brightest and use them in their administration. You understand there? Yeah, that, that's how Daniel actually ended up in the lion's den. He was one of the best and the brightest. And there was a king, Nebuchadnezzar, right, who brought him into his administration. And then when a new king came, he kept them too. He was so good, they changed administrations, and he stayed. He, and, and what happened was he started, he was so good. The Bible says in Daniel 6, he had a spirit of excellence on him. Yeah, he had a to say, if you don't want it right, don't call me. Y'all not talking to me. No. Daniel say, when I show up, playtime over. It's the big leagues. This is, this is not, this is, this is not for the faint of heart. He had an excellent spirit. He started getting elevated and people got jealous and they found a reason to use his religion against them and he ended up being persecuted for his religious beliefs and thrown into alliance then. So people, these were people of exile and the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah are detailing uh, the same point in human history. These two men were co-laborers together and Nehemiah was a cupbearer for a king. He's a wine taster for a king and he, 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 he made sure that the king's food and drink was not poison and and Nehemiah one time was talking to his brothers because this king had allowed Israel to return even though they were still uh, oppressed return back to their homeland and and they get his brothers come to see him and he say how are things going and the brothers say it's going it's going terrible the the walls that protect the city are still burned down so everything we build on the inside is still vulnerable to attack from the outside. Right? He says, he says, we constructed, every time we construct something, enemies come and destroy what we constructed. So instead of us progressing with the building of the wall, we find ourselves in a cycle where we always feel like we in constant seasons where we starting over. I know somebody, I know y'all can't relate to that. I know nobody, nobody watching this, nobody tapped in can ever relate to feeling like, I feel like I'm working hard, going nowhere. Uh, here I come, I'm coming back. Over here. Is... <laughs> I said, have, you, have, have there been times where you feel like I'm working hard, but my outcome is not proportionate to my input. And the Bible says at that moment, Nehemiah wept. He, he, he had a unique, now he fine, cause he don't even live there. 
Here I come. Here I come. I said, I said, he's fine. His life is straight. He doesn't even live there. He got a great job. He living in the palace with the king. He doesn't even live in Jerusalem. Has no plans of moving back. But God put something in his heart and challenged Nehemiah. This is so powerful. Nehemiah, don't love what I've done for you more than why I've done it. I didn't put you in the palace so that you can just rest in the palace. I put you in the palace because in the palace, you got access to resources that you're going to use to rebuild broken down communities. And some of you may be in a season in your life where you're confused about why does God have me here? Uh, some of you may look back at seasons of your life and you're like, why did I go through that? They didn't want me and I didn't want them and they didn't want what I had and they didn't respect me and I, I worked there but they didn't value me but they didn't treat me right when I was there but then wanted me back when I left. I don't, I, I, I don't. And God's like, you aren't always at a place for the reason you think you're at a place. It's like sometimes I put you in a place for a season, for a reason. Because I'm giving you resources and expertise and influence in that season that I'm going to use in the next season. And I want to tell somebody that's confused about what you went through, here's my promise to you from God's word. Nothing is wasted. I said nothing is wasted. No tear you cried, no bad job, no bad relationship, no bad church experience, no divorce, no layoff, no downturn. He will take what the enemy meant for evil and work it for your good. Nothing is wasted. So Nehemiah feels this burden and this responsibility to build something. So I got to build this. And so, man, it's, it's, it's so powerful. I don't even have time to unpack the whole story. I think maybe next year I'm going to have to come back and just do a whole series on Nehemiah. Because what happens is, what, what happens is, and this is, this is some of us too, what happens is he's affected emotionally and he's wearing it but don't know it. He's not saying anything, but his disposition's different. And so this is a good leader. His king notices it. I'm, I can't bother that. Because some kings only notice whether or not you're doing your job right. He noticed, how you doing? And he asked me, he says, why is your countenance? Something off. 
Oh my gosh, I don't have time. He, he, he says, he says why, why are your countenance off? Nehemiah said, I just got word about what's happening in Jerusalem. And this king who conquered the people that had conquered them. This king who in, what, in, in, like with no exaggeration we would say, he's their oppressor. He says, what can I do to help you? See, <laughs> some of you caught that. Because that's what God's getting ready to do in your life. <laughs> People you never thought are going to say, what can I do to help you? I got to go, help's on the way. I said, help's on the way. And some of us are frustrated because help not going to come from the place you think it's going to come from. I learned this a long time. You reap what you sow, but you don't reap where you sow. You sow in one field, you reap in another. And some of us are expecting the people that we've been good to, to be good back to us. God's like, if they not good back to you, I'm going to touch somebody else's heart. And okay, here it is. <laughs> Got it. <guys. laughs> and this is what the Bible said. Nehemiah said this. To me, this is so strong. You see, this is so strong. Listen to me. Listen to me online. Listen to me, ATL. Listen to me, Jersey. Here it is. Nehemiah said that I want you to read this guy. It's so powerful. He said, the king said, what you want? He wasn't expecting. He wasn't expecting the king to say that. So he hadn't thought about it before. He was like, oh my God. I wasn't expecting that. So this is what the text says. It says right there in the front of the king, in a matter of seconds, he whispered a prayer. This shifted my whole theology of prayer, I'm telling you. Because one, if he's standing in front of the king, he couldn't use verbal words. And he probably didn't have a long time to give the king an answer. So he had to take a normal pause, say a prayer, and believe that his answer was the answer because he had to give an answer before he got one. Y'all missed it? He didn't have time to pray and fast and say the Lord told me. He's like, I'm gonna ask you to help me and just believe when I start talking, you gonna help me. He said, well, they're going to need some wood to rebuild the walls. So can we get some wood from the king's forest? He said, done. He said, well, all right, I'm going to need some transportation to transport the wood to Jerusalem. King said, done. 
He say, well, all right then. He say, well, all right then. I'm gonna need some protection, a military escort to Jerusalem. The king say, done. This is what's scary, Dr. David, I got to go, but this is what's scary. If he would have stopped just asking for wood, that's all he would have got. But he had an Old Testament revelation of a New Testament principle. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. All right. So this is what happens. This is what happens. I'm, I'm wrapping up. This is what happens. So he goes back to rebuild. I'm like, this is so noble. He's given up his, 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 his prestige and his positions. This is, just, this is just so noteworthy. You would think if he's doing this kind of work, this kind of sacrifice, that, you know, it would be easy. But as soon as they start building, enemies start showing up. He got to be like, Lord. I'm out of here, but this is for all the builders. This is for all the dreamers that are going to carry out. This is a responsibility. See, it's not an optional activity for him. It's a responsibility. So when it's a responsibility, you can't quit when the battle comes. You got it? If it's optional, you can stop when it's hard. If it's optional, you can say, I don't have to take this. If it's optional, you can say, I'm not putting up with this. If it's optional, you can say, I don't need this. But when it's a responsibility, you got to finish the task, even when you're dealing with opposition and adversity. So Nehemiah, who ain't even in construction, I, Lord, I don't have time. Because sometimes your dream requires you to tap into new abilities. I never did construction. You're going to learn today. I know how to taste wine and food. I... Here it is. Here it is. Here it is, family. They build it. And enemies come, and they attack it. Nehemiah is so cold. He is such a leader. And gosh, I don't have, he, I mean, he's such a leader. He said, this is what we're going to do. I need some of y'all to have nothing but weapons. I need you saved, but right on the line. <laughs> Who got that revelation? If you're going to build anything, you need some on-the-line people in your life. I love Jesus, but don't cross this way.
He said, I need some of you. I'm done. I need some of you. <laughs> he said, all I want you to do is fight. Say, the rest of you, this is what I want you to do. You're going to have to learn how to multitask. He said, I want you to keep a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. Watch this. In other words, if, only, if I gave everybody, everybody a weapon only, then the building would stop. But I see that this attack is not really an attack. It's a distraction. So we're not going to give the enemy the pleasure of our attention. I am aware of you, but not obsessed with you. So I'm going to keep building. And when you get close to me, I'm going to give you one of these and keep on building. Don't touch anybody, but just air high five and say, swing and build. Swing and build. Don't you stop building. Swing and go back to hammering. Swing and go back to nailing. Swing and go back to building. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Three things in the text I see Nehemiah had to swing against that you're going to have to swing against. One, he had to swing against discouragement. It had to be just discouraging. Because building is hard enough. And sometimes it's discouraging not because the enemy winning. It's discouraging just because I'm tired of fighting. Jesus, can I have one season where I can just focus on one thing? And so discouragement is normal. But instead of it being a stage, the enemy wants it to be a state. Because it not only affects if you build, but how. You swing your hammer different when you discourage. Second thing, deficiencies. Nehemiah wasn't in construction, but a lot of the people he was building with probably wasn't either. And he's probably thinking, I'm deficient. God, you calling me to build this. I don't have construction experience. I'm not even uncomfortable in this environment. You got people who don't know what's going on asking me what to do. I don't know what's going on, but I got a better idea than anybody else here. I don't even have. And I know all of you are always filled with confidence. You believe you can always do it. But I believe I'm talking to some people, New Jersey, online, in this room. You're like, PD, there are some times, man, where I... I feel like I don't have enough. Yeah. 
God never makes an appointment without giving an assessment. So if he appointed you to it, he assess you beforehand. So just because you think you have a deficiency, it don't mean you have one. Because he assessed whether or not you were equipped before he appointed you. Fight discouragement, fight deficiencies, and number three, we're done. Fight distraction. I'm going to have to stop there. Samballot and Tobiah came to Nehemiah three times say, come down from the wall, let's talk. I just want to talk. He got a text, W-Y-D. What you doing? Ooh, if I had time. Because some of them texts are just when you start building, you get one of them texts. You finally get to a good place and now you get one of those texts. He said, uh, say three times they asked me to come down and he said three times I gave them the same answer. This is a distraction. You've been built for the battle. You've been called to build. But building will require battling. You just need to know you built for both. You built for both. And some of the things you've gone through in the season, seasons in your life in the past are things that God was using to build into you what you needed to have to build what he was calling you to build. Nothing is wasted. Father, I pray now for every person who just believes and receives. This word was for me. God, thank you for reminding us that we've been built for the battle. Now give us the wherewithal, the, the strength, the wisdom to build and battle at the same time. I pray for, pray for everybody, Father, that's depleted right now, running out of energy, running out of faith, running out of hope. Times of refreshing and renewal come from the Lord. Renew our strength. Oh, glory. Renew our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands all over this house. Come on. You can do better than that. I feel his presence in the room. We got to go. <laughs> oh, but I feel his presence. Listen.